Now, can we do the right thing then and just make this one like 20 minute podcast? What do you think? <laughs> yeah. People seem like they're loving our podcast lately, G Dub. Seems good. They're out of yeah. their minds. That's not the way I'm starting this podcast. I'm going to start this podcast like this. Just as the garbage truck comes into the neighborhood and starts screaming through. Everybody, welcome to the Greg's Garage Pipe with Coach Jason Prayboard for Bike911.com. Wait, that's 3911s. Bike911.com. Bike I'm Greg White. Jason Pridmore, what is up, dude? How is your weekend week? Beginning of the week, like what's going on? It's good. Yeah, everything's solid on this end. I'd say for the most part, my hand's still jacked up, which kind of sucks a little bit. But um, yeah, I just went out to Button Willow with Let's Ride Track Days and all the boys. I, It was fun. You know, Greg, it's like I need that every now and then to just go out to the track and ride. And that's what I did this week. I wasn't even sure, to be fair, if I was going to be able to go, you know, a couple of weeks ago. And then... I thought, you know, I want to I want to just go out there. The weather couldn't have been any more perfect. So, mm. yeah, we went and ripped a couple days, rode the track um, counterclockwise one day and clockwise yesterday. And it was like, I don't uh-huh. know, dub. Let's, well, hold on a second. Let's talk yeah. about that for a second. Because, okay. you know, not only do we always talk about racing here, but, you know, I'm, I mean, I get to talk to you. You're a, you're like a, like a big wart of knowledge just waiting to be, mm. you know, lanced off. Or a big zit of knowledge waiting to be it's popped. Yeah, it's hard to say, but you're my zit, Jay. You Thank know, and you, and and you got a lot of knowledge there. But so when we used to do schools together, people would come to a place like that. You could go reverse, right, like yeah. Chuck Wall and stuff, and they would have a lot of anxiety when you would start one one direction and then the next day you would go another direction. So let's talk about the value associated with being able to do that because I've always found a lot of value. With doing that so you go button willow which direction do you go the first day clockwise? we went counter the first day so it was counter counterclockwise the first and then but you know what's funny you mentioned that when we were doing star schools way back in the day we kind of started going backwards at different tracks like i was we did thunder hill backwards um streets of willow we did both directions um where else did we go opposites obviously button willow gone both directions there Chuck Walla. Yeah. No, there's there's a list of places that we have gone over the years. I rode Laguna Seca backwards once that was horrible, but it was, I say it was horrible, it was fun, but it was really dangerous, really dangerous that way because everything is built to go one way there. So yeah. for those of you who have ridden Laguna Seca, the normal configuration or the way that it's meant to be ridden, imagine going down the hill into turn six as opposed to going through turn six and going up the hill. Um, there's, I can't imagine climbing the hill to the corkscrew. And it's crazy how steep right it is. Hand corner. You have no yeah. idea how steep it is and how slow you go because it's just that steep. So yeah, I rode Laguna Seca backwards. Probably, I probably did a good eight laps one day there going that way. Um, hmm. The hardest part about it for me then was just thinking that there's there's going to be something coming the other way, even though you know the track is closed and there's nobody out there, and it's so weird going up over turn one at Laguna backwards because you're going up the hill and you're flat out and a little kink to the right and you're like man please don't let a, a truck or you know a worker see that you know whatever we, we we had it under control but it was still spooky um it's funny you said that though then i like when you mentioned that i started yeah. feeling the anxiety like oh I yeah just like going like wow dude you're oh, totally yeah. right no a lot of anxiety um like riding road, truck while at, at i've at done willow night. springs i've done willow springs backwards um yeah i've done a bunch of the tracks Counter. So let's but, talk about the value. But why good. is there value associated with? 
I mean, really, the key is going a track that's designed to go both directions. Not obviously Laguna, your runoffs are in the weird. Yeah, places. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not safe, but yeah, it makes sense. I always, What's I there? always love learning new racetracks. I always love learning new racetracks. So, for me, it's the ability to go out for myself, uh, or even if we're teaching, is to be able to go out and find different visual aids that are going to help you initially get around the track. So it doesn't take you all day to learn the racetrack. You can something that you can pick up. I always find it funny too, Greg how there's a number of people that I spoke with over the weekend that I didn't know, obviously, that I was getting, you know, just getting introduced to and things. And it would be, oh, did you come yesterday? No. Why? Well, because I I don't go well to the left, you Mm -hmm. know, or I don't go well to the right. So I'm only going, I'm only coming one day because I don't go well to the right. It's like, man, I used to embrace that because I used to, when I was younger, I always, I think we all have a direction that we like to go better one way or the other. And the majority of people that I talk to over the years, everybody can go lefts easier than rights, but we do get those people that go rights better than they go lefts. It's, you know, but I think that the value is learning new tracks, learning new ways and see how quickly you can get up to speed at new tracks. Um, if that's what your goal is. But I just always look at it like learning new corners, new ways of looking at things, learning it, how to go through different areas of, um, of a place like Budwell. Budwell is great because there's like little certain kinks there, and there's the little wheelie hill. When you do that counterclockwise, did you ever ride Button Willow counterclockwise? Yes, I've ridden it both directions. Yeah. Yeah, it's just, it was fun. And we had, like I said, all the boys, Wes and Dave, Simon, John, they were all out there. Christian, yeah, it was great. Christian was out there? Um, mm-hmm. Yep. It was good So time. I like to go left primarily and most mm-hmm. of that has to do with if you think about the way a drive through is at like a say a dunkin donuts or a burger king <laughs> they all kind of go left i mean the majority of yeah. them you actually approach the building and then you kind of circle the build you know you circle around like a vulture but you're always turning left yeah that's good that you that you recognize that. i was gonna i thought maybe there was like a side of your gut that's a little balanced off to the left so it just helps you go left i don't know no anyways i mean in terms of a motorcycle okay but anyway all right well that, and that's yeah, that's really time. kind of what I was trying to unlock. I agree with you. I think it's always better if you challenge yourself as opposed to just sit in your comfort zone. If you go better left, then, then go start turning left. <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean, if you go better right, I mean, then go start turning left. If you go better left, go to a place where you have to turn right. Like, you know, pick it up, learn it. Kolb, I'm not talking directly to you. Oh, cool. Hey, Oy. he actually was better. I really? guess. Don't yeah. don't say don't say the f word. Do not say the F word in this podcast. Don't say fast because I don't want to hear that. Wow. <laughs> he was quicker than he was last year at VIR on the track day, that Monday track day. Um, Yeah. All right. I won't tell you what the goal time was to beat at VIR that he did manage to beat, but I, I won't tell you, uh, I won't tell you where I came up with the lap time for him to beat. I came up with the lap time. You dope. Mm. Anyway, Okay. Uh, by the way, this podcast, as we're now a few minutes into it, yeah, you wanted it to be a twenty-minute podcast, and we haven't given anybody any good information yet. <laughs> Zero. Well, if listen, if you need information, especially when it comes to you know attorneys, you got to go visit bike911.com and go see our buddy Alex Asante. He'll hand you. He's a motorcycle guy. In this week's podcast, Jason, we're going to talk about MotoGP because they were at Mugello. Very interesting weekend across the board. We're going to talk a little bit about MotoGP fantasy. And we're going to preview Road America because you and I are on airplanes. We're heading to Wisconsin for a big race this weekend. We're looking forward to that. 
then we're going to start things off with our news section. But if you want to support us, patreon.com slash Greg's Garage TV. And you can visit me at my YouTube channel, Greg's Garage TV. Do you want to get right into the news? Unless, Do it. Unless you have more stuff to talk about. All right. So now it's our news presented by our eye. Uh, all right, let me see. What am I going to do this time, Jason? Let's talk about Arise proprietary one-piece multi-density EPS liner. It was developed to precisely position the most appropriate density for each part of the liner. This indispensable technique is an absolute necessity for producing a foam that maximizes glancing off, or in other words, a shell that's round and smooth. Learn more at AriAmericas.com. It's your eye difference, people. Do it. Protect your noodle. Jason and I love the fact that you're here and that you ride motorcycles and that you're safe. And more importantly, that we get downloads from you because we are getting filthy rich doing this. Nothing from the peanut gallery because he's hmm. on his phone. I got a Nothing. weird email right now. All right. Well, Happens. you just missed, you, you missed a good joke. Anyway. Yeah, I'm sure. All right. Let's talk about this, JP. Top rack, Razgatliaglu. The world champion who did it on a Yamaha in World Superbike. Yamaha's frontman, Lynn Jarvis, in MotoGP confirmed there is no room for top rack in Yamaha's MotoGP program. He will still get to test the GP bike with uh, no satellite team anymore for Yamaha. There's no room. Wait, did I get ahead of myself? Another bit of news is that the current with you RNF Yamaha team is headed to Aprilia for 2023 and 2024. Uh, with a couple extra years possible. So that stalled Top Rack's Yamaha aspirations for MotoGP for the time being. Your mm. thoughts, former world champion. I wonder Wait, if sorry. Paul Denning is, is... I wonder if Paul Denning right now is sober yet. He's probably <laughs> so been drinking <laughs> since that news that Top Rack, will, you know, obviously he'll stay. Wouldn't it be incredible, though? I was thinking about this yesterday... How crazy would it be? Let's say Top Rack goes and rides this GP bike, right? Yes. And absolutely slays it. And another I, I team came saying. up. Another team came up and swooped him up to go to MotoGP. Well, like, this is this is the thing, isn't it? It's pretty. It's almost a chance now, where Yamaha could be doing themselves a disservice. I look. It's not going to happen. I, I'm getting it, but. Let's say Top Rack goes out on this bike and in one day in that test and just rails and just looks amazing on it. Then they've got, they're actually creating a bigger problem, I think, because even though they want Top Rack to stay in World Superbike, I'm sure, and that's what everybody's going to be thinking, he goes out and slays it. <clears throat> Morbidelli's done nothing and struggling. Everybody's struggling on this bike. And one day test well, doesn't really show all the guy. Oh, yeah. One day test doesn't really show the cards, but in a way, you almost kind of think Yamaha is doing this now probably more so to give him a test on this bike for winning the championship last year. Just kind of like, hey, come ride this bike and check it out. But what if it completely backfired on him? That's the scary part. Is he in a two-year deal right now? Like, is he signed this year and next? I think so, yeah. With, like, the I'm option sure to go is. to MotoGP? I'm sure. It's yeah. got to be what it is. Yeah, so maybe they're not at as much contract. risk as... That was kind of the big news last year. It was like... He wanted to stay one more year in World Superbike, and everybody was like, why? And my guess was because at that point, they probably had everything buttoned up. But you're right, Jay. I mean, so so number one, Lynn Jarvis did say, clearly, this part of this test is to, as a thank you for him winning the championship. Correct. That's part of it. Yeah. Another part of this is going to be, you know, to see what he thinks, to see if this is really a direction that he wants to go in, if he 
likes what if he thinks a moto gp bike is the coolest thing ever and then i don't know i mean i'm just playing safoglu calls who's his manager and his and his uh life mate ends well, up calling who's ktm Brilliant? sponsored by who's ktm sponsored by uh red bull dude 100 percent. like yeah, so so what if they just open the bank account not that they will it sounds like they're going after miller and you know olivera's got his you know he's all pissed off because he wants to be on the factory seat doesn't want to go back to tech three but i'm saying that ktm and red bull seem like they've got some money behind them i mean what would stop kenan from talking to kate if, if this guy loved the moto gp bike and he's at an age right now where maybe he goes you know what i want to go ride moto gp <clears throat> i mean who's to say maybe if, maybe if, maybe the, the carrot on the end of the string will be we're gonna run more bedelli one more year if his results don't shape up it'll be fabio and top rack for 2020 24 right <clears throat> possibly who knows yeah. getting ahead of ourselves i'm just thinking that what a great opportunity for him to ride it Paul Denning is happier than happy could possibly be right now, I'm sure, as he should be. But you're dangling that carrot in front of him a little bit now. It's a little scary, I would think. Well, I kind of wonder, you know, you bring up the Red Bull thing and Monster supports the Yamaha MotoGP team. And yeah. I wonder if there was just a hurdle there that they were just like, we're good. You know, yeah. like we're losing this satellite team. We have Morbidelli under contract. You know, they have faith in the guy, hopefully. Yep. He's a very talented. I mean, he, Morbidelli. There's got to be something else going on with Franco J because he was fast until he got hurt, and then we haven't heard from him since. And he was pulling out results on a bike that was like a year or two old at that point. The guy can ride. There's something going on with him because we don't hear much from him in terms of you know being in the news. I know a lot of the media and stuff will write him off, but I got a feeling that there's something else going on, and something's going to get fixed, or he's going to figure something else out, and then we'll see him you know, back up in the positions we we normally would. But anyway, so that's getting off the subject of top yeah. rack. So um, Mark Marquez, he's done for the foreseeable future. On Tuesday of this week, he's on an airplane flying to Minnesota, going to get surgery on his arm. What are your thoughts about Marquez at 29? I think he's 29, right? 29 years of age? Uh, yeah, dude. It's, it's, to me, it... Wow. When... I don't even know where to start with it. It's so sad to me that the guy has incurred the kind of injury that he did where it's just, um, well, Greg, I, I'll be honest with you. It's not so much the injury and how it occurred that bums me out. It's whoever was in his team that let him ride the following weekend that I look back now and I go, you and I did this podcast. And I said, this is insane. Like coming from an, I'm going to call myself an idiot here who's had many big injuries. <clears throat> Not calling him that at all. But there does come a point where you draw the line on, if again, if this was the last two or three races of the year and he was in a championship hunt, then you would take the chance of hoping that he could try to ride. Because if you remember, he went out for, for I think it was Saturday morning warm-up. I don't think he rode on Friday. He had broke his arm on Sunday. They did the surgery on like Tuesday. And he got on the bike Saturday, if I if my memory serves me correct. Right, that's where he did the push-ups or something, right? He did and it's just to like, show he and was I, fit. it's insane to me. The fact that the, you could do some push-ups, the pain threshold is there. I get that part of it. <clears throat> um, the part that is reckless to me is that the, the infection is what you're always scared of. There is zero chance that that wound that they that they cut you open had a chance at all to heal. 
one of the biggest things that I was taught when I had big injuries that needed plating or things like that is you have to control the idea that there's going to be no infection. As soon as you get infected, which is what happened to him here, it really jacks things up badly. So the fact that that the people around him, the doctors around him, regardless of if it's Marquez's choice or not, it was not given to him in a way that scared him enough to go like, you know what? I cannot race this next weekend. This makes no sense. The guy's eight-time world champion. It's not like he's never won a championship before. And who's to say? But if he lets that injury heal the way it should have healed initially, G-Dub, he's probably racing for the championship this year. And it's really, really easy to sit here and Monday quarterback it. But I remember us talking on the podcast the week he was coming back and saying, what's he doing? This just makes no sense. Part of that has to be MotoGP, right? Because their doctors would have some say-so in the matter. But that, yeah, no, I agree with you. It's it's too bad for Mark. And hopefully the doctors here, I think he's going to the Mayo Clinic, right? That's hey, I'll tell you something. For all their all their worry about concussion protocols and shit like that, yeah, bone infection to me is way worse. You can start losing limbs, you get a bone infection. Mm-hmm. Like you literally like osteomyelitis. It's a word that will I'll never ever forget because that was the word that was the one that scared scared me so much when I did my ankle and I was like, oh, I think I can come back. And hey, we got to let the open wound seal itself and heal. We have to. And when I came back and raced G-Dub after I did my ankle really bad in 01, I did that race at Colorado, if you remember. Um, and the after the race, the, the, the blood that was in my boot from, I had actually gone through the incision that was already healed, but there's such a small layer of skin there compared to where the plate actually was that I had to go get the plates removed immediately because of, we were worried about infection. That was the biggest thing is the infection. It scared the shit out of me. Well, I wonder if Gerloff's in that situation with his knee because it was, you know, it, Steve English had said it was a really deep gouge that mm. went all the way to the bone, right? So I wonder if, yeah. That, but that, when you that break really a bone scary. and it, and when you break a bone though, and it gives the infection a chance to get into the bone, yeah, that's, get into the bone that is the bad it. part. Yeah. I mean, you're yeah. going to, you could get infections when you cut your hand or cut your leg or, I mean, you can sure. get those kind of infections, but when it gets in the bone, it's it's. I mean, it's Deadly. literally, yeah, it's brutal. Well, Can't have it. either way, either way, I'm, if I'm sad anyone, for him. I'm really sad for him. Well, and I am too. And and it was nice. I don't know if you saw the video that that uh, his onboard shot that they posted. It was pretty cool. Pre, yeah, of all the riders going, and you could tell they were just like, dude, get well soon. You know, heal up because everybody wants him in the series. You want to race against the best. And Marquez is he's special. He really is special. Well, yeah. And. Yeah, so anyway. Um, but see, the guys that are like like right now, when you look at it, Greg, like when you look at the Rossies, like when Rossi was coming along, everybody was looking for the next guy to beat Rossi. So the, you know, the truck with the money is getting backed up to people's garages because we're like, hey, maybe he'll be the next guy. Marquez right now is kind of the guy over the last few years that, hey, we need to, we need, like so somebody like Quattararo is so thankful to have a guy like Marquez because it increases everybody's values, Right. Like yes. when Tiger Woods came along, Tiger Woods got all the purses and stuff up for the PGA Tour. That's why so many players respect him like they do because he increased everybody else's value. And so the fact and that those guys all A lot of people on the tour still remember, still remember his impact. 
where Marquez right. is old enough now where if you start getting these younger riders in that are just coming in on these salaries, they may not know the impact he had. Mm-hmm. And so it's a, and that's the, that's the cycle of it all, isn't it? It really is. Yeah. So you know? so when all when all those young kids in Moto three and stuff see all these top level riders paying homage to Marquez and wishing him a speedy recovery, I think it was Quattro or something did a really nice Instagram post saying it was maybe one of the best races of my life, but at the moment I'm thinking about this guy, and it was a photo of him on the cool off lap with Marquez. Hey, Marquez ain't going to be far away from Road America. Maybe he'll come over and you know make a little appearance. Yeah, I mean, we might as well reach out, see what's up. Once <laughs> you hit him up on, I'm sure you, he follows you on the gram. You're so oh yeah, yourself. no, he's yeah. he really follows me. Yeah, for sure. Uh, before we get into this week's race talk, let's talk about all time top speed records because Jorge Martin broke it at Mugello, and um, but also seeing that Martin is on track to fill in Jack Miller's spot on the factory Ducati team, as noted by uh, Paolo Chibati earlier in the weekend. He set a new top speed record of 363.6 kilometers per hour. Now, I don't know that kilometers per hour. That sounds pretty fast to me, but I can tell you this. It translates to 225.93 miles an hour. That is fast. Let's talk top speed, Jason. Most people are astonished. They're stunned. They're awestruck. Awestruck. You know, people that haven't raced before. Um, but is top speed really a big deal? Like when are you're they going, going quicker than F one cars, she dub. They're going way quicker than F one cars in terms of top speed. Yeah. Oh, I have no idea. I think all the F one fans of the world right now are either cursing me or I. But I'm, I think I'm that's... googling F one car. Top speed, 231.4. So right now... Five mile an hour off. Yeah. current. So uh, Botas currently holds, holds the world record as the highest speed in F1, hitting 372.5 kilometers an hour, 231.4 mm. in 2016. Wow. So they haven't, yeah. they haven't bested it. So, so the, the, you yeah, could the current be right, cars um, are not going that fast, I know. Right, okay. I don't think. So 2021 F1... Regardless, that's quick, and I think the question you have to ask yourself is: Yeah, they're going. Sorry, Jay, they're going yeah. approximately two hundred miles an hour. Yeah, so yeah they're not going on a motorcycle. Now, yeah. They're they're some twenty five mile an hour faster than the current F one cars. So they slowed the cars down. Um, you've got to think with the reasons. advancement of downforce and stuff that that's why these bikes are, I mean, going even faster, right? So it's it's a weird combination. Yes, yes and no, right? I mean, it's but let's put it this way: instead of you saying downforce, Jay. Yeah. The, the the advancements in aero technology yeah, yeah, yeah. is a huge is a huge factor in terms of how they deal with aero, both on top speed, acceleration, all that kind of shit. Yep. Um anyway. Yeah, well But what, I, what the, my question to you, Jay, is my question yeah. to you is really this. When 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 your average fan or someone who is just street rider or something thinks two hundred twenty five point nine three miles an hour and you get the I can't believe it. That's unreal, and I get that bit. Yeah. But let's talk. Let's talk as a motorcycle racer. Two hundred twenty-five point nine three miles an hour on a racetrack like Mugello. Is it really that big of a deal? Mm. As a racer, from a racer's perspective, what's your point of view? Well, when you're in it, I don't think that you're thinking about that. To be honest, if you know, you're just when you're in it. I think that the optics of it outside of being on the bike itself, people are starting to go, wow, are these bikes getting a little bit too quick for the tracks? Are they getting, I mean, if you really want to know a scary, scary, scary stat, 
Would you rather go 225 mile an hour down the front straight at Magello or 209 mile an hour at the streets of the Isle of Man? <laughs> Yeesh. <laughs> you know, I don't like yeah. it's it's when you look at perspectives, these guys are over 200 mile an hour at the Isle of Man on little country lanes. And it's like, I know it's two completely separate sides of racing, but I, I also find it funny, G-Dub, that um, I think I saw something somewhere this week. I can't remember who put it out, but they were talking about the top speeds at the different racetracks. And Magella wasn't even on there. Like they named a bunch of other the MotoGP tracks, and and I'm like, Magello every year seems like the place that they go the quickest. It's either it's it's three tracks. It should be where we always have the similar top speeds. Doha, uh, Doha, Mugello, and Catalonia. Because Catalonia, Catalonia's you're coming got on the, front the big straightaway. downhill straightaway, doesn't it? When you downhill, were at Mugello, yeah, just... is it coming out of that last corner? It kind of goes back uphill a little bit too, doesn't it? Isn't the front straightaway? It looks like I don't know. I've never been, but you were there, right? Well, you you go over the hump and stuff. Yeah, yeah, that's the whole thing. But I mean, look, Martin did it in like a multi-rider draft. It wasn't correct. like he was pushing correct. his own air. Correct, correct, correct. Yeah, and so, so yeah, and yeah, I would, and and that's 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 a registered. I don't see the thing is I don't so know fast. exactly what MotoGP that dude. It's ripping. But my point was like. Like when you're on da- when you're at Daytona, and this is kind of the thing when people always ask, if I tell them about motorcycle racing, people go, "How fast do you go?" They always want to know, right? How Correct. fast? But people yep. people don't really have an understanding. So, a perfect example is we have that Dunlop two up ride uh, available for people at Moto America races, and the cool thing about that is it's like five hundred bucks. You pay it, you get to go around the track twice with Chris Ulrich on a on a mostly you know super bike, right? Yeah, uh, and that money goes to Airfence Fund. However, and by the way, if you're interested in that, you can just, where you buy tickets on MotoAmerica.com, you can go check it out, especially with the weather forecast for Road America. You might want to look into it. Um, Is it good? Yeah. Yeah, dude. Yes. It's good. Okay, cool. Well, su- yeah, Sunday Sunday was the only one where it started to pop up where it might be 30% or 40% chance or something like that. Okay. But we're talking like 71 degrees. And, oh, wow. You know. Bikes are going to run great. Oh, yeah, dude. That's what I'm saying. You know, not only are you gonna get gripshin if the sun is shining, and yeah, I used it again. So what? What are you gonna do? I like it. Okay, it's good. It's okay. Um, all right. So just, just, I mean, we're gonna talk about this. All right. So Friday, oof, yeah, windy, windy. So it depends on the the direction of the wind. But seventy one degrees and sunny. Saturday, sixty five degrees, um, and mostly cloudy with you know moderate winds, eight mile an hour. Sunday, sixty eight degrees with possibility of a.m. showers. So I mean, for the most part, we're looking really good yep. in terms of the weather. Great, you know, I mean, not a very physically demanding track is Road America, but it's always good to have that, that kind of temperature. I'm sure Dunlop, 68 degrees and sunshine. But anyway, all right, as I go back to it, yep. when I tell people about two-up rides, the first question they ask is, how fast did you go? Yep. Um, at, at VIR, I had some friends do it, and they went 143 miles an hour. At Road Atlanta, where I had some friends, archery people come out and do it, they went 160-something miles an hour. Interesting. I am apologizing to the guy who went 140, mm. Eli Hughes. I said, Eli, man, sorry. We just don't have the straightaway. This poor guy had never been on a motorcycle in his life. Oh, God. He's a, oh, wow. like a junior national archery champion. Really, yeah. really good dude. And uh, he was like, are you kidding me? I just went 140 miles an hour. So it kind of got me thinking, like, I've been at Daytona. I've gone 140 something on the banking on a boxer cup bike, and I've gone 170 something on a you know 750 super sport bike. Mm-hmm. I've gone two. 
100 miles an hour on a bike before 190 something remember uh craig arian uh mm -hmm. two brothers racing yeah they they did this deal where they put a turbocharger on a zx9 a ninja zx9 and we yeah. did it at honda's proving grounds with like timing like like official timing and everything else and they were it was really fun and i was in the well in the 190s like yeah the, the low or high or mid 190s on that bike like actually like clocked and stuff yeah that's pretty um, cool but when you do it in an open environment and you do it when you can look down the track and you slower the sensation of speed yeah it just doesn't really feel like it. that big of a deal yeah, yeah. it doesn't don't recognize it now speed is i never everybody because i never looked at mile an hour ever like in my whole life even it was never a thing for me i find it funny when um people post that they went this mile an hour at a certain track i'm like i i always had so many other things that were more important to me that i was thinking about rather no, than because you hit it for what what you hit your one second you know, yeah, you know where like it was they, fun they was Brainerd back America, in the day. Brainerd, Brainerd, Brainerd was where I went the quickest I ever went. I of, think. Yeah, so. I mean, because we would sit down at the end of the wall, the old Brainerd configuration, and all the factory teams had radar guns, and you would see. The thing that was impressive the most was, if if memory serves, when you went down the front straightaway. I, I don't know on a superbike, obviously on a 750, you go down the front straightaway, and then you would on a superbike you would roll off Jay, and then just mm -hmm. roll back into it. You weren't grabbing yep. a downshift, right? Yep. Yep. Yeah. You go go in there backshift once. You do backshift once. Okay. Yep. Yeah. I thought it was just roll because it goes roll back uphill, so the bike, you know, they wouldn't. You just so backshift once. Turn one at Brainerd. No, it's, yeah. it's flat. I thought. No, no, it would start to just start to go back up a little bit, and uh, so you'd have to backshift once. Okay. Like I, you would do it. You, you know, you would do it uh, on the extreme bike. I would just get in there, uh, backshift once, and on the six hundred, you would backshift once, and then rip through there in fifth, and then you'd backshift a fourth going into turn to two. Turn two, yeah, yeah, and you'd be wide open through there, and that was thirty mile an hour. So that would take you from two hundred down to the top one sixties. Yeah, fastest guy I ever saw go through there was Hayes on an attack when when attack was running those Kawasaki super bikes, and he was he was like uh, eight mile an hour faster than anybody. Wow, anybody, the biggest names, one seventy two. He would rip through there. Yeah, that's incredible. Yeah. I anyway, mean, all right. So yeah. enough with the speed. Congratulations. Hey, Pro Motocross kicked off um, over the weekend, and so I wanted to just uh, talk some results because obviously yep. we have MotoGP and we like to get deep into the weeds in MotoGP. It was a uh, uh, you know you want to call it a Honda affair. Dude, it looked like the '80s. <laughs> Did it? Oh, I know what you're saying. Yeah, because of all the Hondas. It was Honda everything. It yeah, and then they had RJ on there commentating with Weeds. Him and McGrath were doing it because they're doing this, uh, you know, they're doing this thing where they're, they're getting rotating. champions from each. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, unless you're the normal play-by-play -play guy. Maybe unless, but I, do they I mean, have sorry, one of those? normal color, the normal color analyst. Well, they had job. Grant Langston, right? And then he left. And then, so they were filling yeah, in he for quit. so many. Yeah, 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 yeah. So they did a nice job. I think like this show would be kind of cool. And I like RJ, Grant, but great RJ, job doing, taking your political stance. That really changed yeah. a lot. R um, yeah. RJ and McGrath did their thing. I thought that was fine. Uh, Weege obviously always kills it, and yeah. the racing itself, like seriously, G Dub, like they had the old. It looked like to me like old retro Honda colors too, which were a lot of the red, white, and blue. And Sexton just absolutely slayed it in the 450s. Roxon got out to quick starts, did his thing, um, but Sexton just kind of dominated. And then the Lawrence brothers, man, they just uh, you know. Couldn't even get near Jet. He was so far gone. It was crazy. And there was there was a lot of other good rides. I mean, look, how can you not talk about Ryan Dungey? 
Guy ended up fifth overall, and it, and it is true, GW. He hadn't raced in six years. That's wild, is it not? Like, yeah, like, it seems like only a couple of years ago he. It retired. just seems like three years ago the guy stopped, and here this guy comes out and ends up fifth overall for the day. And with him, it's always like now he now he got to see the pace, now he got to see the speed. You know, he's probably the champion that he is. He's probably hard at work grinding, even while we're doing this at the moment. Um, can't say enough for Christian Craig. He ends up third on the day with two solid top three finishes. Tomac was putting the heat on him late in the second moto, and he came through and, and did his thing. So, And did you know that he's signed with – I didn't know this until I watched the broadcast that he has signed with Husqvarna for next year, Christian Craig is, to ride 450s. I did not know that. Yeah, I didn't know that. So he's going to be on a 450 next year with Husqvarna. So, But I thought it was pretty impressive to see him hold off Tomac at the end of the second moto. Uh, Tomac first moto struggled. Second moto was a little bit more like himself, but it, again, it was a. It, it, they don't know the extent of his knee injury. I, I'm saying, I'm saying though, G Dub, if his knee injury was really, really bad, okay, don't you think they just pull the plug on him and get him ready for 23? Sure. 100%. So the fact that he's there racing, especially round one, tells me that I know he's nursing an injury. But it cannot be bad enough to where it's like there's no reason for for Yamaha to put Tomac at out there at seventy five percent, right, for the year, and then hope that during the off season I mean, what if he makes this injury worse? I think that's the question I have. So if he's yeah, out there lining be... up, I gotta if he's out there lining up, I gotta assume he's there to win, no? Yeah, no, I agree. hundred percent. So, he, well, well, what's yeah. the point? What's the point with the outdoor season right now? Are you going to subject him to this that much more punishment? He just Correct. got off of a grueling and a grinding Supercross season with two weeks break, and then you maybe three. But yeah, that's pretty bad. But just just so people know, in case you don't know, it was Chase Sexton who won, Roxon in second, Craig in third, and they went one, two, three each moto. Correct. Tomac went seven four to finish in fourth, and Dungey goes five five to finish. And Dungey, I mean, he beat the likes of Anderson. Uh, Caroli was was there over from Italy, Plessinger, Barsha. I mean, these are big names that know how to go fast in the outdoor, you know, circuit. And again, for a lot of these riders, they've already been testing. You know, there are different yeah. setups. And in that 250 class, like Jason was saying, Jet Lawrence goes 1-1, Hunter Lawrence goes 2-2, probably eating Hunter Lawrence up, I would think. And then Joe oh. Shimoda goes 4-3 for for third place. And then RJ Hampshire, Moseman, Forkner. You know, Hammaker. Did you? There was a that they RJ had a big crash in practice. Like, like he was going off the jump. You know, I, I was I at that archery was, tournament, but, Jay. So yeah. I didn't really get to see anything. I mean, the only reason I watched MotoGP on Sunday was I got I eliminated at ten o'clock in the morning, where I finished ninth again and got eliminated by the same guy two tournaments in a row. And yeah. the problem is, the guy's such a nice dude, yeah. but I just can't, can't stand him. him right now. Right? Yeah, I just you know he's he's my white whale. You know, I love that. Um, <laughs> wow, wow. Yeah. he's probably says the same about you. Hmm. Mm. Wait, is that because my last name's White and I'm Ab- absolutely girthy? Are you girthy? Uh, <laughs> yeah. No, I think. Uh, hey, you know, and Jason Anderson in the 450 class was unreal. Anyways, motocross is up and going. They're at Hangtown this weekend, I believe, aren't they? They go to Sac this weekend, so. Um, down. Sure. round two and that's usually hard packed and nasty so yep and gotta say real quick sad to see Dylan Ferrandis out before the season even started defending 450 champ I think he tore a tendon in his thumb or something they said so just 
just a, a drag. So let's talk about this race that you just mentioned, G-Dub. Mugello. It's a weekend that I think that everybody would love to go to. It was a bummer to see the fan attendance down. Could be a number of reasons. Kept on hearing the ticket prices were really high, but also no Rossi this year, even though he was there. They 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 retired his number. That's a whole other thing people make a big deal about. I, I don't... I, I don't... What's your stance on that? Do you care? I don't care. On the retiring of the number thing? I don't care. Do you care? Yeah, I could care less. I don't even know why it's a thing. Why... Who gives you shit? Like, if they want to retire a number, let them retire a number. If they retire all the top 99 numbers, whatever, people are going to have three digits. Who cares? I don't even understand why people write and make such a big deal about it. It's so stupid. Anyways, um, Bagnaya, G-Dub, unbelievable race. He beats Quattararo, who is equally, if maybe not even a little bit more impressive, to finish second. Aleish, again, what can you say? Aleish Spargo ends up third ahead of Zarco and Bedzeki. How about Bedzeki and Marini? For that VR46 team, um, unreal. Both those guys qualify on the front row behind DeAntonio. What? DeAntonio's on pole <laughs> position. Insane. Oh, yeah. Brad Binder ended up seventh in this race. I had a Nakagami who came under fire from Rins, who crashed out again. But it, did you see, I don't know if you saw it, we'll talk about it in a minute, but they had some closed caption, you know, circuit television stuff there that you could see Rins and Nakagami's crash. I, if you haven't looked it up, GDEB, just go to MotoGP.com right now. Look it up because I want to get your 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 uh, okay. take on it. I have not seen it. it, it so it'll yeah, take two seconds, so go look at that real quick. Oliveira ends up ninth. He's also a little bit under fire right now because he's come out and said he absolutely will not ride for Tech 3 next year, so it'll be interesting to see where the rider markets go because Oliveira might be on the move if they make a spot for Miller at Red Bull. Mark Marquez in his last race that we're probably going to see from him for a while ends up 10th. Um, just a sad sad thing. You, you know, I couldn't really understand why they... Why? I, I mean, I guess he was there. I don't really understand why they let him race. Um, guy announces he's not going to be there for the foreseeable future. Uh, why risk it? Doesn't matter. That's just part of it. Digi Antonio ended up dropping back to 11th, Greg, but it was still a super impressive, I mean, beyond impressive weekend for the rookie. He ends up qualifying on pole for his Grassini team. I mean, that Grassini team, why would you want to leave? It looks like they got their shit together. And I know the factory team is the factory team, but... Um, Bastianini was coming forward in this race and threw it away. Um, we'll talk about that in a minute. Vinales ends up 12th. Martin, 13th. He had issues as well, he said, with shifting Marquez. Alex Marquez finishes 14th. And, I mean, great. I don't even know what to say. I just love the guy to pieces. But, man, Jack Miller, 15th after qualifying. Didn't get through qualifying one. You probably didn't see any of qualifying, did you? I did see. I saw. Yeah, I saw Q two. I mean, or whatever. Yeah, Q, I saw Q one. Jack drug Marquez and Digi Antonio to their times. Okay, like Digi was just in that perfect. Side. Yeah, that was awful. I mean, was it again? That was awful. Snapped the forks off the front of that thing too, and it was like, yeah. yeah. You know, the thing is, is that is that uh, when you you know Miller, it was strange. Like in Q one, it's. It is, I it's, I don't know how to explain it, but when you have a track like that and you know Marquez is going to get in behind you or anybody, you see Quattararo, you see Miller not really concerned so much about it. You know, there's like a lot of like camaraderie and hey, let's go, let's do this, let's do that. If you watch Miller after the cool off lap, he was not happy at all that he barely missed out of getting into Q2. And Greg, that can change your weekend. 
that can change and alter your weekend. These guys are talking about not being able to pass and not being able to do this and that. You cannot, I mean, coming from the back, there were pass, there was passing this weekend, by the way. But when you look at it in, in hindsight, you got to think that Miller could not be happy the fact that he drug Marquez around for three laps. Just drug him around. Sad, dude. I mean, I don't know if it's mind games or the fact that Marcus hurt, whatever it is. I totally understand his frustration. I mean, I I think back to what McDoin and um, uh, uh, who was it? Sete, right? Wasn't it Sete Gibber now? Crevier used to always no, follow. No, Crevier was Crevier. Yeah, Crevier yeah. used to follow, 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 and and Mick would just get so upset because he would follow and then just pass him on the dive bomb him at the end of the race, race. right? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Hey, I, the I, thing I, is, I is all... the funny part is though, G Dub. Right? Tell me if you think I'm right on this, but. Miller goes through turn one on the cool off lap, sees that he's third, right? Yeah. Digi Antonio is not even on his radar. So the fact that Digi Antonio did what he did was in, was incredible. If Marquez and Miller go through on Q1, they're high fiving each other on the cool off lap of Q1. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? The fact that yes. he's third, that it pissed him off. Now, and I know we're going kind of back to front here, but did you see the start of the race where Miller starting like whatever he was? I think. What was he, 12th? Had no. No, I thought it was deeper than that. He it might have been pretty, deeper yeah. than that, yeah. Well, but maybe. Let's just say 13th. 12th. Yeah, he's, be he's 13th. On, he's, on the, he's, he's on the outside, he was, right? Yeah. So but I think he was 13th, the, but Martin got penalized three grid spots. So that put Miller in 12th. Oh, got it. Okay. Right? Because don't they. So Paul's the so on the outside then. So you go one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three. Yeah. He's yeah, on the outside, but at the start of the race, he talks about how he got pushed off the track. And I'm, I've watched it a bunch of times now. And I don't understand I myself. I don't see how he got pushed off the track. Again, if you go to the same website, go to MotoGP.com, you, you can they they I've do seen it. it. I've seen it. And I'm like, I don't understand he why he went pushed. The- he does get pushed off the track, but Jay, he doesn't get pushed off the track by a rider. He got pushed off the track because of arrow. Well, that's if what I'm thinking, because it. he's off into the grass because he in his interview, did you see his interview? No. Nope. In his interview, he said he got pushed off the track by other riders. That's what he said. Like he's like well, all the boys, all the riders, boys, all the boys came over on me and pushed me into the grass, and I'm like, huh? There was everybody... one rider I saw that was close, but it didn't. Again, but, we're we're looking at a helicopter view, right? It didn't look yeah. that close to me. But, me neither. But it looked like his bike moved over, and could've, the thing is, is you're yep. racing a Ducati. The last thing you can say is Aero sucks because mm-hmm. it's your number one advantage. Yeah. Well, you, you could look at it, and I, I like this isn't a bash Jack Miller thing. I just feel bad for the guy because it's like no, no, I like Jack, and he's he, obviously the guy's got crazy speed when he's on, he's on. But when he's but off, it's like he's you off. can't finish fifteenth, can you? I mean, you just you. I mean, no, you can't and, finish fifteenth. And look where Pecco came from. I mean, Pecco didn't come from twelfth. I understand that, but Pecco came from pretty far back, and you know, won the race. And there were, you know, Bender came from what seventeenth or something like that, and finished or no. He was in the teens, and he came Bender up Bender always seventh. goes. He always goes forward. Bender always yeah. goes forward. He is there. Isn't that isn't that what you want out of a rider? Oh my god, he's only four seconds off the win, G Dub Bender. I know. I it's know. it's impressive. So when you look at the weekend, there's a few things that strike me. Number one, if I'd have told you on Sunday morning that there'd only be one Ducati on the podium, you would have probably laughed at me. There would have been an easily discussion that. Minimum, you'd think that there would have been two. But Bagnaia goes on to win the race uh, very impressively, controlled it. He came from s- probably sixth as well. 
and came forward, passed all the guys needed to pass. Dude, what can you say about Quattararo, though? Like, the dude's unreal. Right of the weekend. Right of the weekend. As far he as said I'm it's the best race of his career, which might I, be and, a little and, bit of a stance, or might be a little bit of exaggeration, but, I mean. Is it contract time? <laughs> is it contract time? That, I'm just saying. I agree. But best race of my life. Uh, I'm, but, I mean, I agree with him. I, I just think that Pecco had a great race. I think people out there pulling the brave card for Marquez is a little bit much for me. You know, oh, Marquez had the ride of the weekend. He's so brave. Mark, he was out there. Why, why? If you're literally getting on an airplane. Oh, yeah, I saw some stuff this morning of people talking about it. Yeah, but did you understand why he was racing? Like, I thought when they did the press conference, it's like, all right, pull the plug, get him out of here, let him go to to the U.S. Yeah, well, I get all the press releases, right? Like, I get them from the team. I get them from Red Bull. Like, I get multiple, and and Repsol. Like, I get the same press release three times. And I'm reading it. I'm like, where's the announcement he's not racing this weekend? I don't get it. Is this... Is this the press conference to say he's pulling out of the race and he's going to get surgery? And then when I tuned in and saw him, like, you know, in qualifying, I was like, what the hell? Yeah, but let me let me draw a scenario for you. Let's say it rained. Let's say something. Let's say something crazy happened. Let's say that Quattro didn't finish and Marquez somehow would have won that race. Yeah. What do they do then? They go like that. It it Uh, just the whole thing seemed a little bit weird to me, but it doesn't matter, you know. Um, it doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah it yeah. doesn't matter. At least Spargo. Anyway, to, to, to me, yeah. to me, Quattararo is the ride of the weekend. I just thought, no question. You know, you, you look at it, the power. I mean, the the way he was riding that motorcycle, he was on the edge all the time. The thing was moving around. You when you, but people don't understand. If you can see a bike moving around the way his bike was moving around on a helicopter shot, you can't yeah, even unreal. imagine what it's doing underneath his ass. Oh, I mean, guys, it's like it really makes you question, though, doesn't it, Greg? Like, like. How bad is that bike, I guess? Um, like, I, I made the joke yesterday to all the boys. We were sitting at dinner. I'm like, they'd be better off putting Lorenzo back on that thing right now, even though he probably wouldn't fit in his leathers. It would be a thing where it's like, he still understands that bike. He would probably be okay. And where does the fact that they've got crutch low testing, but you're not seeing any real improvements from any of the other guys, right? So... Well, hold on. Let's break it down then, Jay. Okay, let's let let before we do that, let's break yeah. it down. You have Quadraro, yeah. who's healthy, who is yeah. unbelievable, who's able yeah. to push lap after lap after lap the entire race. He has to. There's no taking a lap or a corner off for that Yamaha, right? You're like I think that Pecco had more speed in him if he really needed it. I, where the where Quadraro was reeling Pecco in, he didn't have to push because he knew he had the straightaway. So we yeah. don't know how hard he's got it. All right, so if you go down the list and you look at those Yamahas and you go, okay, so you have the you have the likes of what? Um, Darren Binder, Morbidelli, Davizioso. And there you go. So like I said, something tells me Morbidelli's not 100% healthy. You know, that's why he's getting the results he's getting. You have the rookie in Binder, who obviously Dude, has Binder's, kind of been... Binder had a long lap penalty and finished only three seconds behind Miller. He probably lost three seconds on that lap. I mean, mm-hmm. Binder had a long lap penalty and beat Morbidelli. I know. <laughs> I know. Wow. That's what I'm saying. And then, you know, you have Davizioso who, whatever, 30 seconds back. I don't even so, know why he's... Yeah, it's crazy. What I'm saying is what, what it appears to be like at the moment, if you're going to race an Aprilia or you're going to race a Ducati on a Yamaha, you've got to be 100% fit and you've got to be able to push the bike to its limits every single lap, which honestly is is exhausting mentally yep. for any rider let alone physically so i just think that if you have morbidelli who's not 
fit, who's probably a guy who's got skill in his tank to go be a P5 guy on that bike. I'm not saying he's going to go be Quadraro, but he has at times. Yep. Yep. And then you have those other two guys, you know, where Bender's learning, hasn't quite clicked. Obviously, now you have a team that he's riding for that's already told Yamaha later, you yep. know, we're going to Aprilia. So yep. it's a weird situation. You look at the Suzuki's even as we bring those guys in. They uh, haven't scored a single point since they made the announcement they're leaving uh, GP. It's hard brutal. not to, to. It's not hard not to draw a line there, that that says that you know, okay, well, what's here? You have an entire staff of people that are out of a job, and it's like, how do you maintain that level of intensity, of focus, uh, you know, to to keep this Suzuki program moving forward? It's sad. God, it's just that brutal. Sucks. Did you look up that crash while we were talking? Yes, yes. So okay. As I'm and and like Rins, Rins, who is never critical, like yeah. really called out Nakagami, like saying that he's the dirtiest rider on the grid, and that if you go talk to other riders, basically Nakagami is the dirtiest rider, and he's not. He does stupid stuff, and then you see Nakagami's thing, and he's Nakagami. Nakagami's. They said that you know when they're interviewing Nakagami, like, well, Rins says like you're the dirtiest rider, and Nakagami goes, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Did he really? Thank you. Yeah, but it's like. To me, I, I don't know. I mean, you, it's kind of a weird angle, but it looks to me like Renz rides into the side of Nakagami, kind of. I don't know. All right, I don't so know what your take my, is on it. My, all right, so my take is this. They're coming out of a left-hand corner, yeah. and Nakagami is... On the curbing. Yeah, he's on his race line. Oh, wait a second. So Renz tries to go underneath him early in the corner, and it pushes Nakagami out just a little bit. Okay, maybe right. I didn't see that part. So. Yeah, that's at the very beginning of the clip. You can see that Renz has about a half a back, a, a quarter of a bike length underneath Nakagami. Pushes him slightly wide, but honestly, Nakagami looks like he's on the race line with everyone else. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, that's what it looked like to me, too, to be honest. But what happened is, as Renz comes into him, Nakagami stuck an elbow out, bro. I think, okay, I I only I literally looked at it once. No, I'm so. I'm looking at it. I'm slowing it down. They showed a replay of it. I think what happened was, is that they got side by side. Now I'm looking at a slow mo of it. Nakagami is got three degrees of lean angle to the left. Rins is still hanging off the left side of the bike, trying to finish his corner and stay off of Nakagami. But the momentum. I mean, there's two mm. things going on here. Number one, I think. It was a momentum crash, but Nakagami leaned into him to protect Got himself. It. He might have. Have you noticed on the GP bikes lately that their um, brake guards, like yeah. if you look at our brake guards, there's a lever that comes off the bar and yeah. you know that goes straight out. Wraps and around the that, front of the brake lever. Right. The ones that I've seen lately, that little wraparound bit that's actually yeah. supposed to protect the lever is, is almost non-existent or it's only a few millimeters. Yep. So it wouldn't surprise me if Nakagami was able to, because he was a little bit taller, uh, you know, in terms of like where his body position is to the lever. If Nakagami maybe elbowed that front brake, because that was a weird crash. That's like, a weird crash. Rins shouldn't have crashed. So the only thing I can conclude is that with that little bit of extra angle that Rins had, he was still hanging off the left side of the bike, so he had that momentum going. As Nakagami leans over to the left, he elbowed. I bet you he elbowed his brake lever, and boom, down he goes. Yeah, it's just it's a bummer. I mean, for for the Suzuki guys, like you say, that man, that whole team's going to need them around now. They're essentially, I don't want to say they're out of the championship, but Rins, again, it's, I mean, two races in a row now with nothing, plus the no finish really at Jerez. Uh, Mir, yeah. really uncharacteristic. 
I'm totally convinced that if I pick you in fantasy, by the way, you're dead. You might as you might as well not even line up. Just don't even line up if I pick you, because all the guys I have on my team wadding themselves or or they're horrendous. So, um, what do you? What's your mate? Okay, Alesh, um, unbelievable again. Please, like, bravo, unbelievable bravo, for Alesh. Zarko, solid finish. What did you think of the livery on the Pramic Ducatis this weekend? Blah. Oh, I like. I like. Oh, them. I thought they were they were very nineties ish. Cool. I liked it. Good. I like it. Yeah, if that's what they like are. It. I liked it. But Zeki and Marini. <laughs> but Zeki and Marini. I mean, amazing weekend, huh? Only three seconds off the win. Both those Dude, guys. Unbelievable. Yeah. Unbelievable. Seems yeah, like there's seriously. good vibes I mean, in that team. I don't know why. You just you kind of can watch things and you go like, man, it just seems like there's good vibes in that that VR forty six Academy team. You know what? In the video that I saw, the one thing I didn't see a lot of with that team was Rossi. Down mm-hmm. there, mixing it up. It reminds yep. me very much of Michael Jordan. Right? When <laughs> Jordan's on the thing. team, yep. he would come down maybe Friday morning, right? And yeah. you wouldn't see him the rest of the weekend. He would be yeah. up in this because he, he knew he was a distraction. He didn't he want to knew, take away from you know, the team. No. And yeah. and that's kind of, I looked through that lens when I was watching this weekend because I didn't it's even really see Rossi down at Winter's Circle or, it's, you know. Yeah. Park for May after qualifying. It's really interesting that you say that because I kind of thought the same. MJ was always really good about that. He didn't want to really be... He'd like to come out to the wall, but like you said, you did, but it was usually early. It was like an early practice Saturday morning or, you know, it wasn't like he was going to be there so where every time you come in, you see, you know, MJ sitting on the wall. Um, he was always got away from everything. Bender talked about the KTM. Again, we've essentially got, well, two bikes for... Three bikes for sure. You could kind of call it a fourth with the Honda even though Marquez hasn't really been up front lately. But you look at the the Yamaha, you look at the Aprilia, and you look at the KTM. Yes, Oliveira won in Indonesia this year, but there seems to be a thing where the top rider of each one of those manufacturers that I just mentioned and the riders behind them, there always seems to be a pretty big separation. Now, this weekend, Bender to Oliveira was only seven seconds, and Oliveira said he lost you know some grip towards you know mid-race or whatever. Um Bender always seems like the shining star right now of KTM. He ends up seventh. Nakagami, eighth. Um, I, I think that some of the storylines that you look at, Greg, I, we already talked about Miller. Vinales, it's the same story every weekend with him, right? Yes. It's always like, and oh, we got to get qualifying. We have to because we have the pace to run in the top five. Well, and yeah, and then the commentators go back, oh, he's running you know, late, this deep in the race, running the same pace. But same thing we say about Bobier last year when he was in Moto2. So for for Vinales, he's got to figure something out. But listen, Aprilia loves him. I mean, they re-signed him. That was the other thing. They, I know that was they, a, they a news item. Him, I, but what do yeah. you see? What do you see happening? Like, if you had to put money down right now on the two riders for the RNF team next year with Aprilia, if you just had to think about it real quick, putting you on the spot, what riders do you see there? Mir and boy, I don't know, man. Mir and Oliveira. I'll tell you who I see. Mir and Oliveira. Okay. I see Rins and Paul Espargaro. Yeah, that would be a pretty dang strong team. Well, I look at it like, you know, you got a lace, right? Paul. I, I just ever, think, all, I, think all, Paul, I think Paul's going back to KTM. That's what I think. I don't. I think Paul doesn't want any part of that. I think you got a lace that's at Aprilia. Why wouldn't they try to get Paul on an Aprilia with his brother? Um, and... It looks like Mir would take the place of Paul Espargaro at Honda. They're going to need somebody that's a, 
you know, they're going to need somebody, even though Mir's only won one more race than Paul Spargo in his life. Um, but <laughs> I could see them. Well, it's true, right? It's true. It's he's true. got a world championship. He's only he's got one more world championship too. Um, but the thing is, is that is that you you look at it and where's Rins going to go? Rins, have we haven't heard any talks of him going to KTM? Why wouldn't Aprilia want Rins on that RNF team? Yeah, or, I mean, I, 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 it's almost interchangeable. I think Rins and Mir at this point in terms of where they're going to end up. I mean, I, I think correct. you're right. I think Honda has more interest in Mir. Then, from the consistency standpoint alone, Rins. and a, and he's a and he's a past champ, all that. But I think that Rins could, I I think Rins would go to the Aprilia, uh, and I think Pole would it would be a nice little step to have both the Aspargaro brothers on the same bike. Um, and even though Aprilia signed Vinales, if they do something with RNF, does that not mean that they couldn't put Vinales on the RNF team, or is he absolutely in the factory team next year? Nah, he's probably he's probably it's. Probably he's smart enough. His management's smart enough that he has a factory clause in there. Yeah, I just yeah, don't I, even I understand I, like the Vinales things. There's very, more very at play there. They, so, yeah. yeah, but they they like him for some reason. Maybe he gives good feedback. Maybe they give him a two year contract and he adds to or replaces Salvadori in terms of you know the test rider like developer. I don't. There's got to be more stuff going on there. There obviously there's more yeah. than meets the eye because you know from our perspective we're looking at that going, dude. What is he doing? They got to punch yeah. him right next year, and next thing you know, they sign him. I couldn't and, believe uh, it, LA- especially with the two guys that have just come out with no rides. Like, it's like, would you take Mir or Renz over Vinales right now? I mean, hmm. literally, Vinales has done nothing for the last two years. Uh, you know, he, he won the opening Grand Prix at Doha last year, the start of 2021. I think didn't he win the very first one, and then Quattrara won the next week. And you just yes. go like, and Vinales is doing exactly on this bike what he did on the Yamaha uh, exactly so you go wow it's just it's it's pretty wild and I know things take time and I, I get all that but I just see Renz it this is just us talking right GW and I I I could see a very simple move to get Renz and Paul Spargro on that other Aprilia team so anyways Greg did you watch did you watch Moto2 oh yeah our I boy Joe Roberts man so proud of that that guy guy. great really 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 great ride from him he ends up second to pedro acosta who is now the youngest moto 2 rider and if you remember just two weeks ago i'm like man all the attention has gone to aldegar and pedro acosta has pretty much not done anything um well the last two rounds he has done something because he led it france arguably could have won there he ends up winning this race and controlling it very nicely after a super rare mistake from Aaron Kinnett, it was very unlike him. And I did give him the commentator's curse because I was talking to somebody while I was watching that race going, man, Kinnett is just so smart. He doesn't make mistakes. He doesn't do this. And he simply made a mistake in the last corner and falls. Compound that to Vietti not finishing as well. His bike looked like he had a problem um, late in the race, the championship point leader. It's so crazy, Greg, because it's kept this championship really close. He ends up having an issue. Then you take the fact that Arbolino cleans out Sam Lowe's. Uh, there's some pretty big non-finishers in this race when you when you look at that. Chantra crashed as well, Grand Prix winner. So there's a lot of there was a there was a lot of uh, bad things happening. But it's Acosta, Joe Roberts second, only four seconds back over your boy Ayagura. Arbolino did hold on for fourth, even though he had to do a long lap penalty. He barely beat Augusto Fernandez, who was 
coming through the field pretty quickly. Jake Dixon finished the sixth with our boy Cam in seventh. For a while there, G-Dub, it looked like that next group was going to kind of get their way to that front five at one point, and then it kind of stalled out. Um, Alonzo Lopez ends up eighth. Schroeder, Arenas, Ben Snyder, Navarro, Salich, Aldegar, and Pacini, who's just an incredible story in itself. Pacini ends up getting the final championship point. What's your takeaways? Well, Roberts kept the pressure on the lead two for quite a while. Right? He did. Like he was, he was there until. Are you eating a donut? No, I'm eating a. I'm eating an RX bar. Very healthy. Okay. I'm just RX I bar. I'm a donut. Because you, you know, if you actually run it, run into me on the street, you'll just look at me instantly and go, you are, "Well, there's a guy who's a pinnacle of health and perfection." Fitness. Yeah, you are that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, sorry. Go on. Especially if it's like, especially if it's really dark. Um, the thing is, <laughs> is that even though Vietti had a problem at the end of the race and he was behind Joe, it, it looked to Joe Roberts. It looked like Roberts kind of had the control of the pace. Like I wasn't really concerned. I thought it might be a little bit of a race to the end before Vietti got out, but I I thought Joe looked really good. He looked in control. Um, my yeah, concern do, is do you feel like I, when when I watched this interview, I almost felt like and tell me if. I almost felt like this was a vindication for his win at Portimao. I honestly think, and I know Joe really well. It was saying. more. I don't know him that more, well. I shouldn't say I know him really well. But he didn't, he didn't mention that. But you know, obviously, this was the track where he got pipped. Remember, he he barely correct. touched the green paint, and he got so relegated back off the podium and all that garbage, right? So they talked about that. You know, a little vindication, did, yeah. whatever. Yeah. But I think you're right. I, I think really this is his best race about. of the year. I feel. Probably one Don't. of his best MotoGP races we've seen. Well, I, he won this year, but he won. And the, the the reason I say this is is with all respect, he won that race because he was the guy that that he was took, the fastest of the he, guys that didn't crash. Well, not just that the flag. There's a lot right? of pressure there when you are on the front row of a restarted race and a lot of the guys are out and then it's like, okay, now I have to do this. I got to win this race now. And he did that. And he did that at Portsmouth. Stepped up and did it, which shows a lot. But this race, he diced with all the guys. He diced with all the leaders. He was there the entire race. He had the opportunity to win this race. I think this will be the turning point for him for the year, more so than the Portsmouth race. I think that now... Joe's going to go into these next Grand Prix, really feeling like I showed that I have the pace to run with any of these guys. Mm-hmm. That's a big thing for a rider, confidence-wise. And he, he to me, this race, even in Winter Circle, he looked more. I don't know how to explain it. You almost feel like when he won that race at Portimao, he already knew kind of what people could be saying, like, "Oh yeah, he won because this one here, hundred percent vindication in the sense that." I, I was up there with the leaders. I was running with the pace. I had the pace to run with the leaders. One guy beat me. Yeah, he beat me. But but he handled his business in second. He pulled away from Agura. He did the things he needed to do. He got that team podium points. Uh, uh, and Greg, when you look at it, where he is at for the like for the season right now. Um, fourth in the championship, isn't he? But not only is he fourth, these guys in front that, that were in front of him, when you look at the Vietes and things like that, Joe's at 86 points right now. 108 is leading. He's less than a race win behind um, for the Can championship. Can we do it, Jason Pridmore? Can we well, see 
It'd be great. Joe Roberts, Moto yeah. Two World Champion. It would be. It would be. It's possible. He's got a team behind possible. him, right? He's got a great he's got team, a team behind, behind him. him that can do it. Before. They've already won yeah. world. Yeah, there's there's a lot of things. If Joe catches fire, man, watch out. Well, Definitely it's, watch it's out. It's a confidence thing right now, right? It's is as his confidence continues to grow. I just think that the opportunity is there for him, and I just think he's done a great job. So, um, yeah, takeaways. I you know when you look at it, it's it's Cameron's up seventh. He was twelve seconds. Back. He ends up seventh. He he did yeah. lead. He led that group. He did uh, of Arbolino and and Fernandez and Dixon for quite a while. He did, but he ended up drifting back, and they ended up coming across the line like with Lopez right behind Bobier. So they were all within like half a or one second of each other. The Arbolino Fernandez deal. So yeah. Cam looked he, like he had a good yeah. run. We yep. didn't get to see a lot of him in the race, though, but still. We saw him back there, but still, it was a good result for him, uh, being able to get where he got. So, uh, dude, heartbreak for, like, it's crazy to think that Kinnett and Viette didn't finish again. Sam Lowe's five races in a row now. He's not scored a point. And arguably, three of the five weren't his fault. Um, but did you see? did you see that incident? Did you see it? Uh, between yeah between, yeah yeah between Arbolino and him yeah. and I'm like I wonder what that's going to be like when they get back to the to the truck um you know that was because it wasn't he good would, Sam Sam looked pretty pissed and he had every right to be pissed and you never see like, him like that knowing Alex and no. Sam the way I know them yeah. they don't and I you know well, he has every look, right I, to be I mean Arbolino hundred percent like where was he where were you going dude you know what I mean well, it's your first off they weren't catching third they were in no. their own little race. If you watch the race, Sam didn't look like he had the pace down the straights. Maybe it was a gearing thing. I don't know. But it seemed like it was easy for Arbolino to draft him. But, like, if you're Arbolino, what are you thinking? Like, like you've already shown that you can draft your teammate at the line over and over, and you're not catching the top three, and there's four laps to go. What are you doing? And I get it. Racing's racing, and people are going to go, oh, he's racing for position. I get it. But, man, you, you want to beat your teammate? You definitely don't want to take your teammate out. I would have loved to have been in that garage when he rolled in. <laughs> Because yeah, and team but if you know if, if if you know Sam and Alex the way I know those guys a little bit, they're both you know they're both like super positive guys. They're both like yeah, I'm really. Pissed well, I'm not, off, no, I'm not talking about on, from a rider you know? standpoint. I'm talking yeah. about you know you, you have two oh, teams, team in manager, there, oh, right? And yeah. you got you, yes. team manager and all, but you as 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 a mechanic, you got to stick with your guy. Yeah, and no as a mechanic on the other side of the garage, you got to stick with your guy. You know what I mean? So I'm sure yeah. that was a bit of a. I don't, know, I don't know. I don't know how much Arbolino's. I don't know how much. I don't know how much Arbolino's crew could stick up for him in that case. It was pretty blatantly bad. And when you it'd look at, it'd be pretty at, hard too. It'd be pretty hard too. Moto three G Dub Sergio Garcia comes out on oh, top please. after Guevara. Um, I don't know. Can you please explain to me? Uh, we're gonna go on a rant here. No rants, okay? But <laughs> why is it? Why is it? That you get penalized on the last lap of a race if you barely, I mean, barely touch Happen the green. To Joe. With that, I get it. Look, but why look, is it less lot... important on the second to last lap of the race as it is to the last lap? I don't because because and Greg, the rationale is yep. yes, Jason, go ahead. Did you I did hate... you watch? Did you watch the boys running over the grass at the end of the of front straightaway? Of course I did, dude. Of course I did. And they running all over the paint, and, and I'm going like, course... wait, what is? Did they say? Did they hold some special press conference or some special no, press release to all the team saying, saying that, hey. Green paint is fake grass. You can trim the grass at the end of the front straight and you can go over all the red, white, and blue of pit sure. lane. You can go over all that paint, yep. no problem. Yep. 
Right. I have no problem. That's so yeah, weird. Who me. does? Who does? Apparently, race direction does. I don't care. Which, by the way, I had a talk with the FIM uh, North America. Um, I'm not going to say who it was from from FM North America, and I talked them about what goes on in race direction yeah. with MotoGP because they're the they guy know. who's at VIR is the guy who's at almost all the well he's actually retiring so I think he's he, Mugello was his last GP ever but um guy yeah, was there but he basically explained to me that our perception of what happens isn't entirely the perception that isn't 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 right in terms of how it all gets done but the criticism nonetheless remains because it's insane you can run over the grass the green paint is supposed to replace grass to make it safer, but imaginary grass you can't run over, but real grass you can because... So the solution, which you've mentioned two years ago, Troy Bayless, I think, mentioned it. Put grass back in. Okay, Please, just put it back put in. Put grass back in because the rider that ends up running over the grass on the last lap, which is Ethan Guevara, right? Yeah. He ends up running over the paint by a few millimeters. Yep. If that would have been grass, that would have been nothing because there was more grass being run over on the other side of the track in the front straightaway. It would have been nothing. It's absolutely, absolutely ridiculous. The guy gets robbed. That's what happened to Joe Roberts, you know, back Yeah, but everybody else during the race, they can run it over at least once and they get no penalty. But if you do it... Okay, the reason... Sorry, the reason is, is because you do it on the last lap. Mm -hmm. There's no chance for them to give you a warning or to give you a penalty. Yeah, that. But it should be like if you honestly, it should almost be like if you did it twice on the last lap, you get penalized. You know what I mean? Like, like there, you could have put grass. You could have put grass there, and he still would have won the race. It wasn't a thing of him. One hundred percent, it would have been nothing. He just would have plumped. It's just all right. The big whoop, man. We're not going on it. We're not going on a ramp. But basically, Rivara won on TV, but he didn't really win, so they gave it to Garcia, Suzuki. I don't really know how they do this, but they (laughs) Suzuki ends up. 0.012 0.012 behind. Why didn't they just put Guevara behind him too? Who knows? I, that, Me, I, I, it, it's bizarre. <laughs> Mino ends up fourth. Uh, Yamanaka ends up fifth. Rossi, Ortola, Bartolini, uh, Bertelli, uh, Fernandez, Munoz, Kelso, Ahi, Felon, and Dennis Anchu, who crashed like, again, again. Dude, I'll be honest with you. I was pulling for Suzuki the whole time in this race uh, because he gets a long lap penalty for his contact between him and Anchu that put Anchu on the ground. Okay. Horse shit. I just don't get it, dude. I don't even know. Horse shit. Here's the thing I don't get. Cause I know Freddie, he's a racer there. Where is it that I am missing that there are race incidents and then there are blatant, absolute blatant bullshit deals. Okay. So what I found out was, Freddie actually has nothing to do with the penalty. Okay, great. Okay. That makes me feel better. So when it went, yes. So it's not Freddie's this and we're talking about Freddie Spencer here because he's in you know, he's Well, we always his hear his name role, in race control. Yes, but his role as I was told by the FIM North America is not that. So if we I will apologize for any blame I've ever put on Freddie for these if I ever have. I know I don't think I've ever done on the podcast. I certainly have in private. And yeah, so regardless of who actually, you know, administers the penalty, I have no idea. Freddie definitely is in there lobbying one way or the so other. So it's probably he some guys never really ridden before. I don't know, dude, because that, that, was, so frustrating. That, was a, that was the most, that was the definition of a race incident, what happened between those two. 
Yeah. Like when he got that, I was like, you gotta be kidding. And it happened so fast, didn't it? Like his penalty felt like it came down within a lap. Like, oh yeah, we're getting him. It's like, for what? Yeah. Dude, I was just yelling at my phone. If you watch the Arbolino Lowe's incident, this is the difference. Arbolino gets in there too deep where he can't even turn his bike and just rides into the side of Sam. Okay. That is a different thing that I can, that I can actually see them going, well, that's pretty blatant. This was ridiculous. Anchu gets in there deep, squares the corner up, but but Suzuki's underneath going through. And it's like, how do you penalize a guy for that? Like, it doesn't make any sense. I just wish Race Direction would get the hell out of the whole... It I just know. Plus, Jay, no I have to add, it's, it's Moto3, okay? You're, as These a rider, I cannot imagine... Yeah, but, but not only that, let's think about the machinery itself. If you're of the mindset that you've got to keep your corner speed up because you're Moto3... It's not like a MotoGP bike where you can go, okay, I'm going to roll off this thing and pull the trigger and just get right back in there. If you roll off on a Moto3 bike, you've lost like a, a, a heap of time. 100%. You know, it's not as, it's, it's, Moto2 is not as bad, but you know, in talking when we were, uh, we were at Austin and we were in Sam Lowe's garage and we were having a chat with him and he was talking about, look, man, if, if you make one mistake, you're done. Like you lose a second by one little mistake and it's, Moto3 is even worse. Even I mean, worse. obviously Suzuki was able to, you know, reel everyone back in, close the gap, which really kind of begs the question, hey, long lap penalty, what's your point? Well, your point? we've seen guys win with the long lap penalties, and we've seen that yep. stuff. But, you know, the thing, I what? mean, Acosta, Moto3 at Doha, that's where kind of you look at it and you go, well, he's won. I think McPhee's won from Lot. But that's what I'm saying, lot. Jay. So what's McPhee your point? McPhee had a double so long lap penalty one. Yeah, what are you doing? That's right. So what are you yeah. doing? You're at, You're increasing risk. You're increasing the rider's desperation. So... Like I don't know, man. Really? I, I just think that there's so many times where there are no calls that you could have made. And I think it's better off, in my opinion, if you're going to penalize a guy, stop with the long lap penalties and hold him out for 15 or 20 minutes at the next Grand Prix for, of a practice session. Don't let him go out and, you know, they got to do something different because... The long lap penalty to me increases risk with these guys just jumping right back in the middle of the of the field when they go off the track to, to serve their long lap penalties. And for for me, I also believe that they're trying to make a decision, a very, very rash, quick decision, where they can later on after the race go back and look at something and go, you know what, that really wasn't as bad as we thought it was. But then it's too late. You've already penalized the poor guy. So for me, I sit there and go... Why not look at that decision, look at it and go, ah, it's questionable. If it's questionable, then you kind of go, let's look at this after the race and then we can make a decision. And then instead of making the guy do a long lap penalty in the next Grand Prix, like so for argument's sake, let's say that they wanted to penalize Suzuki, hold him out for 20 minutes of the first session at Catalonia this weekend. He's going to lose some track time. You know, everybody's going to have 20 minutes extra. You do something along those lines. The long lap penalty to me is dangerous. I don't like it. And it's causing race direction to make these decisions during a race where there could be a question mark behind their actual decision. You know what I mean? Yeah. All right. So let me ask you this question. If you could speed, all right, so on a, on a street, you could speed. And there was a lane where you could speed. And if you went... 20 miles an hour over the speed limit. Uh, every time you went through a little thing, it would cost you like a couple dollars or mm-hmm. a buck. Let's just say a buck or something like that. Or you speed, and if you get caught, you're pulled over. You get a $250 speeding ticket, and you get hit with 
a fine on your insurance, right? Like your insurance rates go up or whatever. Yeah. What would you choose? Well, it's easy. Right? Yeah, that's what easy. I'm saying is, is, is we've lost sight of the fact that these penalties are supposed to be a deterrent for people to stop their actions and do something different. It's the idea behind a speeding ticket, right? Like speeding yep. is dangerous, according to, I don't know, whoever. Somebody said speeding is dangerous. We all know yep. that speeding tickets really are revenue generators. They're not really designed to deter people because people keep it, you know, they, they I factor that. Yeah, they keep doing it, right? So that's what the long lap penalty has, has turned into for me. It's like, okay, by the way, you just got caught. So we're going to, you know, you have a dashboard. You can read something on your dashboard or a pit board, and we're going to penalize you immediately. But yet we've seen people win from it. We've seen people podium, but the amount of risk that goes up and for an organization that just constantly talks about safety, 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 it makes no sense. I agree with you. Take a breath when the race is over. Yeah. Look at your penalties and then assess them later and try to make it hurt. What is really going to, you got to really make it hurt someone. If I said, if you get caught speeding once, you've lost your driving privileges. How many people without question? Right, black and white rule. You lose your driving privileges, or we take your car away. How many people would speed? Yeah. Well, I got an even better one. How about everybody going slow in the fast lane loses their driver's license for six months? You'd see a lot of people driving in the in the right Bingo. lane. So Bingo. the thing is, right, is you sit there and you go, Arbelino was finishing fourth regardless of if, regardless if he did the long lap penalty or didn't do the long lap penalty, he was finishing fourth. He finished fourth. So where was the actual penalty? Okay, it brought some guys into position that could have beat him, but it really didn't do anything. He finished fourth. That's where he was going to finish. You look at yeah. this situation, I think that you're 100% right. It's like maybe take a breath instead of having to feel like you have to make a decision. And while race directions looking at replay after replay for two laps and then deciding, oh, throw a throw a you know long lap penalty at the guy. I just think it's, it's really, really poor. I think that making... Race decisions in the middle of a race, you could pen, and I don't agree with make the guy start in the back of the grid at the next Grand Prix. I think that's stupid too. Like, just make him sit out. Make him sit out a twenty. But Jay, I'm gonna add, I'm gonna add a level to it. Okay. Yeah. You're making a decision. He literally got a penalty for aggressive racing, but yet you haven't huh. talked to anybody. You know, like, wouldn't you think that you would at least say we're gonna wait till after the race? I want this guy come up to race control. I want this guy to come up to race control. I'm going to have a conversation individually with them, and I'm going to try to get into their mind and find out what happened. How right? about this? Shoe on the other foot. Do you think Anshu makes the same move on Suzuki? <laughs> right? Uh, so, yeah. yeah. So, so I mean, the thing is, though, is it's a race incident. The guys are not trying to run into each other. Guys are not trying to purposely go, oh, I'm gonna, this is my opportunity. I'm going to run into him. It's not like that. They're two guys going for the same piece of pavement. And we want the racing to be close. We want it to be good. Hey, man, I don't know. Anyways, these guys are moving on, G-Dub. They're on their way. Short little drive. Because they're a short week, rather, to Catalonia. Track that you know. I'm I'm excited about watching it. It's going to be a busy weekend for us because... Man, we got a lot of things going on this weekend with with us being we do. in North America. But look for so, look for yeah. if the weather's good in Catalonia, look for another top speed, you know, like record to drop. It's definitely got a lot it's of potential. It's going to be fast. Yeah. Yeah. Um it's got a it's another really fast track that that Quattararo can utilize the corners to his benefit to to put the thing on the podium again. Yeah. The DG Antonio thing, we didn't really talk about it, but basically what happened in qualifying, it was drying up uh during that qualifier and DG Antonio just he just he grabbed a sack full 
and he and he did it. He was about Unreal. a second, about a second so cool. slower than the fastest outright record. So he did it, and and you know the riders on the podium. If you if you look at the post race press conference, not the one in Park Ferme, you know Pecco kind of says like, "Hey, DJ Antonio did a great job. I mean, he great was, he was braver braver than the rest of us." And yeah, I think for him to finish eleventh was was good. Yeah, maybe that gives him a boost of confidence. He might 100%. be one of those riders that just takes more time to come up to speed versus some of the other guys. So we'll see if he's. Well, we haven't been hearing that Deji Antonio has been crashing a lot this year. He's putting in the no, laps. We and, haven't heard. And and yeah. how positive is Darren Binder? By the way, he's like he's on real positive. Mm-hmm. He's like, oh, I got a lot from the weekend, and good luck to those guys. I mean, it's it's a hard it's a hard gig, man. It's being being a, a rookie right now over there, it's tough, and it's. A lot of, of stuff to learn. Speaking of tough, really tough. Let's talk about you in the fantasy because you suck bad. Dude, I mean, you I, just absolutely stink. I we do don't MotoGP even have fantasy, any recourse folks. to that. I don't have any Bro, recourse. We do, yeah, we do MotoGP fantasy. All right, it's Greg's Garage Pod with Jason Pridmore. Join us. We have 334 people participating this year. It's awesome. Fight Club still leads the way, Jay, but Fight Club is out of turbos. Done. So Fight Good Club. Old Justin, man, right. he's going to have to hold on. Dude, he's got 20, 20, what, nine points or something like that? Or a 19-point advantage? No, maybe Does a 21-point advantage over, yeah, uh, w, three WSM champs who's got two turbos. Woot Racing is in third with two. We're a 516, got one slow to stoked or whatever. He's got <laughs> two turbos left. Team Rhino, out. AMA Someday 91, only one. So there's a bunch of people. Like uh, Upermania in ninth place. Out of turbos. Now, as for your boy, and when I mean your boy, I mean me. You're killing it, aren't I'm, you? I'm, I'm climbing the ladder again. Okay, I didn't have a bad mm. weekend. I didn't have a stellar weekend. Okay, old Dynamite in 38th ripped off 159 freaking points this weekend, bro. Wow. 159 points. Wow. That is like... Hey, Upermania got one... 64. You mentioned Upermania. They got 160 and a half. 160 and a half. That's a lot. Unreal. How do you do that? Let me click on that. Wait, who is it? Here's what I don't get, right? All these teams what? that they have, it really, this this fantasy, I'm learning about it because it's like, I stink. I am, dude, I'm 266th and I'm actually really trying. The problem is that, is that there's no, it's, I can't afford to get anybody better on my team because I run out of because the, $15 the value of your rider, your riders are such junk. They keep dropping okay. in value. So when you trade them, you don't you have enough money for them. Can't get anything for them. So yeah. it makes it really hard to make up ground in this. It's like if you picked a good team initially, like very, very, very initially, or even after one or two rounds, and you kind of have the guys on your team that you need, you're golden. Because if you look at the like, you know, um, there's a couple guys on here whose teams are worth twenty million dollars now. That's what their actual worth is. And yeah. I don't see a way for me to get back to... I mean, my team is worth $14,900,000. And, and I stink. And I don't see a way forward. I'm 266th. Yeah, <laughs> you've got to make some wholesale dumps. You know what I mean? But like, I have. I have i don't know who... I did. I, I've done that. I and I don't how know about, how to... Yeah, it's just brutal. Win, win or bin, which by the way, I love that name. Winner Ben comes in at two twenty million twenty point four million. Yeah. In terms of value. So they have Pecco, Bastianini, Quattararo, and Zarco. Boy, that know. was some good trading there. That was some good trading. But, but that, my but team, you, Jay, let's, Yeah, let's, you gotta start off with a decent team. You have to. 
You, you have to start off with one because I've had to trade for some. So basically, I have Aleish, Pecco, Ducati. I have Luca Marini, and I have Bastianini. Bastianini cost me, obviously, a little bit. I was at 113, which wasn't horrible, but not great. But I've moved up to 45th because there were a bunch of people that were scoring in the 90s. You know, like Travis Wyman, 92.1. You know, because Sarko and Aleish, and then a lot of people who have Miller, and then Mark. So it depends on who's on it. But it's a lot of fun. It and is now Jason Pridmore yeah, is good. going to randomly pick a number between 1 oh and 334. And we are going to give away a Moto America Live Plus subscription. I know a lot of you out there do the right thing and buy the subscription. And so if you have it and you want to donate it or just put it back in the pool and we'll give it to somebody else, which we've done a couple of times, feel free to do that. So Jason Pridmore, between 1 and 334, go ahead and pull one out without... Wait, Let's go... Oh, who, like what can we do? Let's in, go in order of in honor of I'm, Mark. <laughs> I'm thinking of a race number. Um, oh. let's go. Let's go ninety-five. That's so funny. I knew you were gonna say that. The oh, old I'm sure uh, you did. Roger Hayden. Well, that's what I. Yeah, old Roger Hayden and uh, what was um Gobert? Who was ninety-two? Gobert was ninety-five. Hacking was ninety-two. 92. What was Oliver? Zemke, 98. Oliver, 97. 97, yeah. yeah. All right, so you're going 95. Yeah. So he's going Roger Hayden. I will not comply. Okay. <laughs> okay. I will not comply who's coming in 95th after a big oh, 80. I thought you were telling point. me you were really not going to like give it to somebody. No, I thought maybe I'd pick somebody. <laughs> no, the <laughs> name of the person is I will not comply. Great. Who, by the way, I'm not sure they played. Well, maybe. They had a leash. As a, as a gold rider, and Anea as gold, and then they had Pecco as silver, and Jack Miller as silver, and uh, and Ducati. So this person team. loves Italian. They love the Italians, as they say. Not a bad team. So I will not comply. My name is Greg. I'm one of the hosts of this podcast, and I can be reached on social media, Greg White TV on the Instagram, or somewhere on Facebook, and even Twitter. Reach out to me. I'll get you your code. For a Moto America Live Plus subscription, you'll get all the stuff that's already happened, and then you're also going to be able to see all this great live content for the rest of the season on your mobile device. You just need a computer in order to kind of hook this thing up. Jason's mom's got one. So if Jason can get his mom hooked up with Moto America Live Plus, anybody out there who's capable of downloading a podcast can do it as well. So there you go. Perfect. Well, let's enjoy that this weekend. Greg, you and I are getting on a plane. I'm getting on a plane tomorrow. I know you're not coming in until Thursday. I'm getting on a plane tomorrow, headed to, I guess, I mean, without question, our favorite place, Road America. The only Word. only bad thing about Road America is that we're not going there twice like we did in 2020. That was good. I liked going there twice. Good spot. Good point. Going there twice was fun, but we're going to go there once this year. Road America, you said the weather's going to be nice, mid-70s. A little cooler. Bike should run really well. Um, I think going into this, we've got to put VIR to bed in the sense that there was a lot of controversy after that with the whole Petrucci thing. I just want to have a good solid race weekend where we can go there and enjoy the racing, not have to be drugged through uh, the stuff afterwards because there was a lot of positives at, at VIR um, from our super sport class, our super bike class, all the way to super sport, um, even all the way down to Twins Cup. There were some great stories. We're going to get the baggers back this weekend, so Harley and Indian will reignite their their uh, rivalries, I guess you could say, on track. Um, I'm just looking forward to getting there 
and uh, and having a couple uh, have a, having a couple good days of racing on Saturday Sunday. Couple questions to answer. Number one, is Gagne still on the roll that we think he's on? Is anybody going to step up and have an answer for him? Road America can be a good place to race if you can stay with him in the infield and draft and pass. It's really difficult for people. The other question is Petrucci. He texted me on Sunday and sent me a message and showed me that he's got a, what is it, Jay, a fibula? A cracked? A, a yeah, he's got a cracked fibula, yeah. Fibula? Yeah. Uh, so I don't know. I, I reached out to him and asked him if he was coming. Obviously, he's the championship points leader, I think, over Skultz by four points. There's another one, Skultz. They found something in that bike, that second bike, after he destroyed the first one. They found something in the second bike. Is there enough time for them to put together a tank and get the ear goes back for him? And is the thing that they found in race number two for Skultz something that's going to help him close the gap to Jake Gagne? There's a lot of, you know, Medallia Superbike questions. On Supersport, please. Everybody's talking, will the GSX-R750 in this next generation of Supersport be the fastest bike on a straightaway? Um, I haven't talked to Moto America to see if there's any balancing after uh, our last race. I don't think there is. I think they were pretty happy with the performance of all the bikes. But Heron's going to be coming out with a vengeance. He got to test at pit race after uh, VIR. He also got to ride Petrucci's Superbike. Um, so if you're there, come to the races, and you, you can ask Josh about that. Um, I'm not going to answer any of your questions, but... There's a lot of good, lot of good stuff. Uh, look forward to seeing what happens with this Max Van situation. It was disqualified from VIR mm-hmm. race number two for illegal engine modification. So at Road America, we're going to see what Max Van's going to be able to dig deep. Kayla Yakov, we're talking about SportbikeTracker.com Junior Cup. Yakov, this track, I, would you say that this track has similar characteristics to Road America, Road Atlanta, Jason? Road America does in terms of the high speed to you know to hard braking type situation where we saw Kayla Yakov excel. I just think that you're going to get nine riders, ten riders in the front of that thing. I the braking part of it, you got to remember, G Dub. It happens so early in the laps, like the heavy braking, like going down into five, going down into Canada corner. But look, if you do, you really want to be leading out of the last corner there. It takes a, kind of all the braking advantage away, doesn't it? Other than yeah, it's a good point, especially on the Junior Cup bike, right? Massive. Junior Cup bike. I mean, literally the run up from Canada corner to the front straightaway. Um, is somewhat single file. If you know, if you're running, if you're in that lead group of ten that I that I kind of foresee, and you're eighth coming out of the chicane on the last lap, you can maybe bump yourself up to fifth or sixth going into Canada Corner past a couple people. Um, that said, it'll be hard to slot yourself in there. But I think that um, you know, is it bad to be fifth coming out of the last corner? I, you know, it's just a matter of are you patient enough? Can you accept that and then hope that you get that good run to the line? Because when you have people four wide fanning out on the way up to the to the finish line it can get a little bit dodgy can't it so yeah i just think that you gotta there's some stuff there to look at but you know um oh and don't forget we'll, there's flat track that plymouth race is friday night yeah. i think is that right yep so yeah uh, yeah if we have some time i don't know we're gonna be at a who's double is there is there anybody double well i it's i'm yeah i wouldn't know but is there anybody double dutying it you think this weekend doing some flat track and and Ooh. Road racing? That's a good question. I mean, Where? we know that that I haven't seen an entry list yet, so I don't know if uh, like Dallas Daniels, I think, who and we didn't talk about flat track actually, which we probably should have, but there was some great, great racing going on at a at a just an awesome track, by the way. O- I didn't get weekend. to see any of it, so um, yeah. well, Jared Mees and and uh, and JD Beach were slamming each other on the racetrack and it got a little chippy and, and flat track posted a nice little video oh, you sent interview that with, to me, didn't with, you? 
Yeah, I did send it yeah. to you. It was got a little chippy and all that stuff. But uh, Dallas Daniels in a heads up battle on a mile. It was the um, oh crap, I just can't remember where the hell they were now. It was oh they were in Lexington, Kentucky, dude. And the facility looked phenomenal. And did it? And it was kind of a smaller paddock, and so everybody was bunched up. So it looked optically like there were n- nice people there, but they're probably three grand, you know, three thousand people that show. But it looked all nice. The track looked great. The facility. They run horses on there, you know, in Lexington. And uh, Dallas Daniels won the first one in the Super Twins. Your boy Rispoli puts it on the box on a production Twins bike on a KTM-powered machine. That's great for him. So Rispoli puts the thing on the box. He won his class, Productions Twins. He's coming out of the last corner, does Rispoli, on the last lap to do the double, and I think his chain broke. And, dude, in front of the fans, in typical Spicoli, he, like, ran the bike across. Like, he ran it, you know, like it it stopped before start-finish line. He lost the race, and he just ran the thing and then just jumped on the seat and coasted over the line. It's a great video yeah. if you see it on his Instagram. And then Mies ended up winning the second day. So uh, good good stuff for on the flat track because he and Dallas Daniels. But anyway, I say that because Dallas pretty much is done with road racing, but it could be, you know, the likes of, what well, we have like three or four people that could be a crossover potential, maybe flat track Friday night and do all that kind of stuff. But we'll see when we get there. So yeah, the big, the big thing for me is coming I want to see this race though because I'm I'm a little critical of that stuff sometimes. But everybody said the track was cool, the racing was great, and you know I want to see it. So yeah, and I know yeah. I I know I get it all. I mean, it'll be on my TV probably whenever it's on my TV. So I know I TVO it, <laughs> so it'll be there. All right. I never know when it's on. You done with us? <sighs> yeah, I kind of done with you, G Dub. I I'm excited about getting you know to where we're at. Thanks everybody for listening. Is it weird? I don't know. Our podcast, we're, what are we, an hour and a half in? It's not bad, I guess. Word. Yeah, well, anybody that... I, I think I, I think that we're the only ones hung up on time. If you really listen to podcasts like I do, if I like I so. listen to this guy, yeah. Jocko Willing, sometimes. I mean, his podcasts are four hours long, and you just stop them and come back to it. And, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's, you know, some people have long drives, um, like Tim and Tony or whatever. They're out there pounding the pavement. They like to listen to the whole time, and... Yeah. Hey, are you are you on the Isle of Man thing? I'm streaming it. You got to do it. You know what? I'm not. I'm not on the Isle of Man thing. I, I was at archery tournament. I'm going to Road America. I'm staying in Chicago. You know, the week after, then going straight to uh, to San Diego. So I, I've been trying to balance my uh, my archery and my and my racing stuff in terms of like the 50 meter stuff that I normally shoot. This USA archery yeah. stuff. This is the last tournament until august until the national championship so yeah. i'll kind of be back back in the mix i have a i have one tournament coming up in mechanicsburg uh pennsylvania that is field archery and that's a national championship i think it's in july so after this tournament i i put the 50 meter bow down and i shoot field and i love field jay and you know i do that's the one yeah. walking through the woods yeah. like golf right shooting all those targets and stuff so yeah. well should be a lot of fun i think june and july are going to go by really quick for us we got two races in june two races <laughs> in july I mean, we're really going to get an idea of what this championship's all about. I think after this month, after our next two rounds, you know, we go to, we obviously go to Road America this week, and then we're off to to the Ridge. So, you know, Pro Motocross is at Hangtown. So we got another busy weekend of racing. Um, I'll be watching the NHRA boys. And I think in two weekends, yeah, NHRA this weekend too. In a couple weekends, I think we have World Superbike that's back in action. So that's right. We're in the thick of it now, people. We are in the thick of it, and uh, if you come to Road America, please make sure to come say hi to G-Dub or myself, and uh, everybody have a great weekend.